Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? Doing great. I love that you do that now. Uh, right? I mean, <laughs> we're global. Universal, yeah. maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe so. Maybe we're sharing some best uh, supply chain practices to folks uh, in different parts of the solar system. You never know. Supply chain is pretty popular these days, right? We're about to know, aren't we, when they get that uh, that new, what is it called? John it Well? Is, it is the... Um, yes, you're talking about the John... It's the Webb Telescope. It yes, is in John place. Webb. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you're right. Uh, and we should be seeing images from that in just a couple months that should change fundamentally our entire understanding of uh of the universe so we're looking forward to that and hope we don't find anything that we don't want to see greg we'll right. see well we'll see where we came from they said <laughs> you know because it's going to be imaging things that happened as much as 13.5 billion years ago because wow. of the speed of light right so i mean we may see back to the big bang depends yep. on how accurate everybody is in terms of estimating how old the universe is Yes, James Webb Space Telescope. That's the That's official it. answer. I just, just, uh, there you go. Someone from NASA. I know you're out. excited about that. And yes. that's almost as exciting as what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> well, you know, that's a great segue. I'm going to take a second stab at it because you said Big Bang. Well, folks, we got a big home run show today Ooh. as we're going to be talking about becoming Greg, a data driven super competitor to navigate all these global supply chain hurdles and to become more, not only more successful, but more sustainable. They're almost inseparable these days, right, Greg? They are. You're right. I mean, assurance, sustainability, fair trade, um, you know, accurate pricing, all of that stuff is really so interconnected with all the enterprise data that exists out there and how to do something with it. Right. So uh, to help us with that discussion, we're going to bring in the James Webb of supply chain. It's Caleb Nelson with Sifted. So Ooh. buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. And get ready because we want to hear from you too. Uh, hey, we're going to say hello to a bunch of folks who are already logging in. Let us know, folks, where you are tuned in from. We'd love to make that connection. But quick program note before we get started here today. Greg, coming up on May 18th, it is the 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards. Registration's open. We've we've had over 100 nominations. We've got some uh, a, a lot of tough judging exercises yes. uh, and decisions to make. But folks... Join us. Join us for free. Uh, you can learn more at supplychainpecurementawards.com, or and you can register for the for the two hour virtual event, especially on LinkedIn, where Greg over a thousand people have already joined us, and we're still a month and a couple of days away. That's right. Have we uh, elected a chief justice among our judges for <laughs> that's this? A, that's a great question. We're going to have to jump on that, Greg. Thank you for being the parliamentarian yeah. of the awards. Always here to serve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, it's not just it's not just a recognition for companies around the world who are doing great things. It's, you know, it's a fundraiser for um, a com company, a, a nonprofit that is doing great things to stop 
human trafficking and slavery. So that's right. And Greg's talking about our friends at Hope for Justice. Uh, so a lot of good stuff going on there, you know, celebrating with purpose. Uh, that's uh, that's the best way to do it. Um, okay. So folks, join us. That's May 18th. Uh, I want to say hello to a few folks. we got a big conversation again with Caleb Nelson and Sifted coming up in just a second. Tempest is back with us, tuned in from Texas via LinkedIn. And Greg, we asked Tempest the question about where she'd gotten her name from. She was named after the Huxtable. I can't remember the character's name, but Tempest Bledsoe played the character on the Cosby show. Remember that? Yeah, I do. I don't remember the character name, but I do remember the name, Tempest. Yeah. So Tempest, welcome back in. Hopefully, uh, Texas, uh, the weather out there is nice today. Clay Phillips, the dog, of course, is back with, with us via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Stephen Bush, tuned in from Kennesaw. Happy Friday. Playtown. That's right. That's that's near your former neck of the woods, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Current, former, whatever. Former tennis partner, Steve Bush. Oh, okay. Very yeah, he's good. The better half of the of the of the tennis partnership. Okay. So. Steven, we got to get the goods from you on Greg White's tennis game, the champion tennis game. Nobody's great- seen it for quite a while, by the way. <laughs> great to see you, Stephen. Uh, Kavan is back with us. Uh, Kavan, great to see you. He's tuned in via Facebook. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. He says, Kavan, let us know what you've been up to lately. Uh, talk about, you know, Peter Bolay is all night and all day, but we got it. Kavan deserves a very similar uh, nickname for sure. Nazivo. Tuned in via Facebook. Great to see you here today. I look forward to your perspective on the conversation. Joseph, uh, tuned in via LinkedIn. Uh, good afternoon, he says. Hey, let us know where y'all are from. Uh, Ken Allen from Nashville. Glad to be listening. Greg, one of our favorite cities and home of Kenny, hot chicken. This is Kenny Bob, right? This is Kenny Bob's uh, barbecue sauce. It could be. It I think could so. Be. Yeah. So, Ken, let us know if we're, yeah. if we're connecting the right dots. Hey, look here. Ramsey Midkiff, the one and only Ramsey Midkiff. Good morning, Supply Chain Now crew coming in from Waxhaw, North Carolina. Great to see you, Ramsey. Is that how you say, say it again? Waxhaw. Uh, Waxhaw is my, you know, okay. is my stab at it. I'm, I might be uh, butchering it. Ramsey, let me know. Ramsey knows I have trouble pronounce, uh, pronouncing <laughs> even the word pronouncing. I have a hard time with pronunciation. It's well documented. It's a great to see you here, Ramsey. Okay, we got to get to welcome everybody. Looking forward to your comments as we work yep. through a great conversation here today. With no further ado, Greg, let's welcome in that our guest. That was quite a bit of ado, so <laughs> we should have no further of it. No further ado. Let's welcome in Caleb Nelson, Chief Growth Officer with Sifted. Hey, hey, Caleb, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, Scott, Greg. It's so great to be here. I'm excited to be on the show. We are too. Yeah, we are glad too. to have you. If we can... If we can just talk about the James Webb for the next, the telescope for the next like hour, I would be super happy. Yeah. It blows you. my mind. Uh, yeah. You know, go ahead, Greg. Super, it's super impressive. I can't remember. I watched some kind of report. It may have been a YouTube thing, but what a feat of engineering that thing is. Yeah. It really, it really, we could easily talk about it for the rest of the afternoon. I'm hoping, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. We all know all the things that can go wrong. It's amazing what the team has done just to get it in orbit. I think a million, two million miles away, whatever that is. And now we're, you know, as they, as they fine tune the cameras and get all the programming working, I think we're going to see some mind blowing and we're going to know so much more about the universe. And Caleb, to your point, it boggles my mind, yeah. just the sheer science behind it. So I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, the engineering is unbelievable, but you're, you're totally right. The images that will come out of that will be, uh, should be pretty amazing. 
pretty, Agreed. pretty stunning. Can't wait. Agreed. So let's remember Caleb Nelson, Greg is the James Webb of supply chain. So you're that's the first one. First time we've used hey, that. I'll, I'll gladly take that title. I think in the past and hopefully into the future, because we could really <laughs> use that. <laughs> true. True. So I got a great segue here because we're going to talk about food first. It is, it is national gardening day uh, today, April 14th. And to close the loop here, Greg, you're right. Ken Allen, that is Kenny Bob. He represents probably the founder and owner, Kenny Bob's sipping and dipping and flipping sauce. I love that. For, uh, pre-show, we were talking about fry sauce, Caleb, out, which yes. is um, legendary out there in Saint uh, uh, Salt Lake City, where you are. Yep. And that's where I want to start. We're going to get to supply chain and heavy lifting in a minute. But with National Gardening Day, got two questions for you. First off, green thumbs, any green thumbs in your family? And then secondly, this time of year, What's your favorite food to consume? Oh man! So the the first is easy. It's my my mom's a green thumb. She didn't always start out as a green thumb. It wasn't until I was a teenager and we put a garden in the back that she said, "I'm going to plant." And uh, when we all were sitting down and, and asking, "What did you plant?" Like selfishly, like, "What are we going to enjoy this summer?" Tomatoes. That's all she planted, and it was because she didn't want it to be a failure for her first garden. And let me tell you guys, I am so sick of picking tomatoes. (laughs) Man, Uh, When I turned 18 and I left the house, I made a vow to myself never to pick another dang tomato in my life. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Greg, I I have yet to successfully grow one tomato bush in my entire life. And Caleb's over here saying, I'm tired of picking them because they're so successful. Well, I mean, Uh, your controller, Scott, my wife is outstanding at it and she grows them in small quantity relatively small quantity and i can verify that they are delicious because i've asked the deer who routinely yeah, eat them. that's exactly right <laughs> all right so we know what caleb is not looking forward to so the clearly the documented green thumb is his mother yeah. but what's so what's one food this time of year that you love to, uh, to put on your plate you know what it's, uh, it's uh artichokes oddly enough if you haven't had a, a really good freshly picked steamed artichoke and we were you know my my kids love it um it's one food one vegetable we all sit down and enjoy together as a family and i realized that the other day the reason why is because it's just a vehicle for the butter dipping sauce that you typically (laughs) dip it into it's it's all about the butter it is a delivery device (laughs) it is Uh, caleb i knew for some reason that you fit right in and you're just further proving our case here today. Hey, really quick, Greg, we've got Barbara who's driving up to Nashville. Barbara, hey, connect with Ken and get some of that Kenny Bob's sipping, dipping, and flipping sauce. I can't say that enough. Uh, Waldemore, great to see you here today. Tuned in via LinkedIn. Danny, uh, Danny Lewis tuned in via LinkedIn from Atlanta, GA. And hey, the one and only Rob Tiffany, uh, superstar. He says it's all about the butter. Rob, <laughs> see, great to Rob see gets it. He gets it. Um, okay. So, Greg, uh, well, really quick, uh, before we move forward with Caleb and talk global supply chain, Greg, what's one thing you're looking forward to this time of year? Egg salad. Always egg salad. Mm. And I was reminded of that. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm a hick, man. Um, I was reminded of that as people, you know, I'm in Hilton Head now, and people are who have been at the Masters are regaling me with, you know, with all of the joys of, of Augusta. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, egg, egg salad is one of those things. I've never been to the Masters and had their egg salad yeah. um, because my kids spring break was always the week of the Masters. And we have just got them all to where their spring breaks are 
no longer during that week. So soon that's a bucket list <laughs> item for me is egg salad at the masters. Greg, anytime the word egg is mentioned, it has changed everything for me in the last two weeks. So Caleb, Greg White shared last week mistakenly <laughs> growing up as a kid and playing baseball. His nickname was egg white. Egg white. The yolk. <laughs> yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, my kids. You went both can, places. Very nice. Yes, that's right. I had to. I can see, I can feel my oldest daughter giving me the eye roll from her school miles and miles <laughs> away from that. But hey, it's a little things in life. Hey, really quick, Gene Pledger, we couldn't do a live stream without you. I hope this finds no you kidding. well. Hope you had a great time in Atlanta a few weeks back and that Alabama is bringing you lots and lots of um, good weather this Easter weekend. Okay. So Caleb and Greg, we're enjoying ourselves way too much. We've got to get down to work. We've got to talk global supply chain, some of the cool things that uh, yeah. Sifton's doing. But before we get there, you know, there's some big things, as we all know, playing out in the global ecosystem. Big themes of data and sustainability uh, in mind. You know, it's a global obstacle course. Goodness gracious, very challenging environment when it comes to supply chain. So Caleb, we're going to want to start with you here today is talk to us about a few of the immediate pains that shippers are experiencing. And I think we want to start on with a topic that everybody, whether you're in supply chain or not, you're talking about the labor shortage, the labor market. So that's impacting everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I would say it's the number one challenge that FedEx and UPS for final mile, like parcel e-commerce delivery uh, that they're facing right now, let alone what the ocean port, uh, uh, you know, employees are facing. There's just not enough employees to be able to deal with the influx of additional freight that's coming through. FedEx had their uh, earnings release call uh, at the end of last year, and they talked about this being a major challenge for them as an organization for the rest of this year. Uh, and we're, we're seeing it be displayed back to shippers in a variety of formats. What it's causing is it's causing for delays in transit time. We're, you know, constantly tracking at Sifted uh, packages that go through our customer systems. And we're absorbing that data and looking for areas where errors are, are, are happening. And it's not uncommon for some FedEx shippers to be in a, a low 70% on-time delivery percentage range, wow. which is unbelievable. Just a, you know, a couple of, uh, I would say a, a year, year and a half ago, it wasn't uncommon to be in the 90 percentile range for on-time delivery. UPS is is uh, weathering it a little bit better than FedEx is, and mm. uh, that's a challenge right now that mm. anybody who is, to your point, Scott, in transportation definitely feels that pain. But outside of transportation, too, what customers expect for on-time delivery when they order product and be delivered to their door, um, they're seeing more delays and more damages happen than ever before. Mm. One of the things you kind of touched on there that I think, well, we're all consumers, too, right, that is often lost in the shuffle when you don't get something on time that you're expecting that pair of socks you need in two days or what have you. But the labor force, they're overworked. A lot, a lot of There's a lot of newness in the labor force. And of course, there's always a training curve. Clearly that's impacting, but folks can't find enough people to work. And Greg, I know you're passionate about the topic of labor. I'll get your take in just a second. But folks, folks in the cheap seats, uh, again, welcome in anyone just, just joined us here today. We'd love to hear your observations too. We're walking through some of the pains that shippers have. So we'd love to hear from you. Greg, your take on some of the labor remarks that Caleb had. Well, it's 100% of the start of the problem. I mean, let's, let's just look at this in its initial incarnation. We sent every single worker on the planet home 
from work for mm. some period of time all at once, mm. right? Virtually every single person went home at the same time or in a very, very short window. It's hard to restart that. Then we paid people to stay home yep. in the States at least. And some of those uh, people have figured out the system. Some of those people have just gotten out of the system, right? We have uh, these, these numbers are maybe a couple weeks old now, 10.6 million available jobs and less than 9 million workers in the workforce available to take them. Actually, it's mm. way less than that because what uh, I think we heard a statistic uh, early this week or late last week, Scott, there are 1.7 jobs per person, mm. per available worker out there right now. Wow. So it remains a big issue. I, I mean, I don't know what everyone is seeing every single day, but restaurants closing early or opening late or, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's, that's probably the, the big thing, uh, you know, um, grocery stores with skeleton crews and all right. of that sort of thing. One thing Lots that was interesting in that FedEx release call that I mentioned earlier was they talked about needing to reroute shipments to other facilities that have enough personnel to do the sort seg work and out for delivery of those shipments, they're rerouting as of last end of last year, at that time, about 600,000 packages a day to other facilities that have enough personnel, that have mm. enough employees. And uh, that amount for, you look at, at those companies, they are efficiency organizations. Mm -hmm. The more efficient they are, the more profitable they are. And uh, when they are not a, a, as efficient as they need to be, profitability goes down and the pressure they're not going to simply take that and their shareholders aren't simply going to take that. Where is that pressure going to go? Right. 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 Goes right and back to the shipper. So much to unpack here, uh, Caleb and Greg. I want to, I want to share just a couple quick comments here from folks that are tuned in. Salam says it's, it's 7 PM here right now. What should I say in the situation? Good evening or good morning? That would be good evening and great to have you here. Yeah. Uh, Operate in your own time zone. It's way too confusing to shift <laughs> too many time zones. Because we're right. in the afternoon, by the way, and Caleb is still in the morning. Yep. That is right. That is right. So. And that um, <laughs> is the simple things. Uh, Kavan says, if we can somehow motivate customers to pick up from lockers and stores, thereby we can reduce labor needs and increase sustainability by reducing transportation needs. Great point there. Kavan, I've used that a couple of times. going to happen. We tried, even <laughs> Amazon couldn't get people to do that. And right. They can't get, it to, get us to who could, right? That's right. Uh, Ken says more and more people are starting businesses. We also co-pack for other people and are seeing a boom in new clients because they're tired of working for someone else. Mm -hmm. That has also affected the labor market. Excellent point. And then finally, Michael says we've had 18 months straight with numerous open positions posted and not yet filled. Michael, I'd love if you could shed just a little bit of light on the nature of those positions. That'd be interesting. Okay, Caleb. You've mentioned, as you're talking about the labor market, so much that going on there, right? And so much not going on there, unfortunately. But you touched on capacity. Uh, lots and lots of freight out there. We, we've, we've seen some interesting conversations and data points here in the last uh, week, or, week or two. But talk to us about all the, the, the shipments that are out there. It's the explosion of e-commerce growth. And uh, COVID is a major driver to that. That growth was already on an upward trajectory that was kind of like a hockey stick. Um, but from COVID that forced individuals not to be able to go to their favorite stores in person to go buy right. uh, goods, uh, 
it drove everybody to have a habit of going online to order their products. And those carriers that are familiar with, with actually building the networks out that move those shipments to and from point A to point B have done some projection growth on where is growth going to go? And they've built and scaled their network to fit that. Well, COVID came out of left field and completely obliterated that projection. And it doesn't work in terms of like flipping a switch where they can automatically expand their networks overnight. Right. And what that means is they're looking out their windows at their warehouses and being like, I am swimming in freight. I can't even see the floor. And what, what that means is it's, again, added pressure back to the shipper on longer delays. Traditionally, more freight going through a system means a little bit more damage that's happening. And firm prices. Both FedEx and UPS have said that they're going to be pretty firm on prices this year. UPS has a mantra of uh, better, not bigger. And for one of the first times in my 20-year history in transportation, I'm starting to see that bigger as a shipper is not a benefit today. It's almost a hindrance, especially around Q4 and peak season. That's right. You know, such an important emphasis uh, on smart business. Uh, you look at the railroads, you look at what UPS, you mentioned Caleb's doing, you know, it, it, it no longer, um, well, to generalize, you know, it, it's not just getting uh, freight volume and getting that revenue. It's got to be profitable given these challenges you're laying out there, Caleb. Greg, uh, your take here on where, as we're talking about just the sheer volume out there. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is, it's huge and it's gone way, way up. I mean, you know, we were expecting a big lift in e-commerce in 2020, but not near the lift we got. And it has continued to be sustained longer than people expected because it, remember at first, we all thought we'd go home for two weeks and everything would be fine. And and it's been two years. So, you know, you still hear stories of people being released from lockdown or Philadelphia just again, mm-hmm. mandated masks indoors. So, I mean, you know, it's been a very volatile environment over the course of the last two years. So it's been hard for companies to get their feet under them. I'm, I'm curious, though, that we're talking about maximized capacity. And Caleb, you're probably aware the Dow transports have gotten demolished just in the month of April. I mean, they're down 14 percent, 12 to 14 percent. So and a lot of the big banks their analysts are saying it's now inevitable that there will be a freight recession. Is there really do you really think there's that much? And I'm not asking you to predict the stock market, but you see you see capacity out there. I wonder if they're perceiving the excess capacity or the coming excess of capacity appropriately. I, I mean, uh, any I insight you have on that would be helpful. no. I I don't see that. I mean, from what what we see is that, uh, and I, I believe Ken was his name his comment earlier of of new organizations that are starting up. Yes, perfect here. From Ken Allen, uh, new organizations starting up, new people starting new businesses. If you go and talk to any fulfillment warehouse 3PL that does pick, pack, sort, and shipping, they are um, at max capacity as well. And uh, I don't see that totally happening in the uh, final mile e-commerce last, you know, knocking on your door, leaving the package at the door. That slowdown is not going to happen anytime soon. Mm. Not in the slightest. I think that's a that's a really good point. It's it depends on what segment you're talking about. There, yep, and, and you're right because I think it was a J.P. Morgan report. By the way, they're not that good at predicting because their stock's <laughs> getting crushed today because they missed 
missed earnings estimates. Um, I like your. I like. They were talking about multimodal and trucking and ocean freight, right? So maybe, and I think we have to recognize this. This is really important when we're in supply chain. We have to recognize that there are so many segments of supply chain that nothing really, except for COVID, impacts every layer of the supply chain. Right. Yep. It may impact manufacturing, it may impact distribution, it may impact retail, but maybe it doesn't impact all. So you have to look very closely at that segmentation to see what markets are being impacted. So that's a great, that's a great take. Excellent point. And I was going to say, I love Judgment Day with Greg White. Your new nickname, Greg, Judge Dredd, because you're going to get a judgment whether you like it or not. Okay, Caleb, I appreciate you, you, you offering your perspective, your data-driven perspective there, because um, you know, y'all have got your finger on the pulse for sure. Really quick. Michael, let's see, he was talking about the, all the open positions for so long at his organization, everything from support departments, he says, like IT and finance to brokers and even broker assistants. So a mix of, of tech, senior level, entry level, you name it. And Eric, good morning to you from Ecuador via LinkedIn. Great to have you here, Eric. We'd love to hear what you're seeing. All right. One final topic we want to touch on before we kind of shift gears and talk more about Sifted and really your journey as a, as a founder, Caleb. Uh, regional carrier issues. So that could probably mean a bunch of different things, but what are some things y'all are seeing? Uh, to, you know, piggyback on labor concerns and on excess capacity, the biggest uh, change that we're seeing for 2022 and I'm predicting for 2023 is uh, shippers understanding that they no longer uh, can single source with one individual carrier. Uh, those days of I'm going to push all of my freight and all of my volume to FedEx or all of it to UPS, negotiate the best discounts possible, put you at an added uh, position of risk. And uh, what's happened is during where all of that comes to kind of a crossroads is right at peak season at uh, Q4. And FedEx and UPS um, have come to some of their larger customers and said, you are capped on how many shipments we're willing to take from you on a daily basis, right? especially at our peak. And if you can imagine being in that position in Q4 at your busiest time and having that type of limitation put on your business, it's not just, oh, I don't get my shipments out the door. That's a growth limiter to your business as a whole. right? And how shippers are getting around that is by diversifying. They're adding a little bit of complexity to their distribution model but they're also mitigating risk to a great degree. And where they're, they're, they're realizing that they need to be looking at it is how much can I peel from my FedEx or UPS contract to give to a couple of regional carriers and what other alternative options can I have in order to be able to do that? So we've seen explosion, explosive growth from uh, regional carriers like OnTrack and Lone Star and LaserShip that have taken on this, uh, this new business. They are typically putting a moratorium. Those regional carriers are putting a moratorium on accepting new business around Q4 because they're busy as well. So there's there's added risk there in not diversifying for a shipper and being able to do so and working with a regional carrier prior to Q4 is going to be absolutely key. Hmm. Greg, what's some of the things that you heard there from Caleb? Great relief for one. I mean, FedEx and particularly UPS have been in too much control of what gets delivered to the home for a long time. And they have, I mean, the reason that businesses like Caleb's yours exist is because people feel like they're being treated unfairly by their, by their parcel carriers. 
they, you know, many firms audit, you know, many firms optimize, right? And that's what you guys do is you do that in an, in a technologically and data-driven fashion to, to help them optimize, but really it's to overcome the unknowns that can even come from a contract carrier like that. And mm -hmm. so I think it's good that companies are diversifying and there has been an incredible proliferation of these smaller, more regional carriers. I, I you know, in the tech world, I talk to them all the time. So, um, and there, and because they are capped, there will be more and ultimately there will be consolidation. I mean, look, let's face the fact that the reason that Amazon even has a logistics division is because way back in 2014, FedEx, UPS, and the Postal Service failed them in during during peak season. They really yeah. had no choice, and and yet it took yet another crisis eight years later for so many of us to recognize that we need to diversify even further. Yep. So I think it's a good thing. It really is good for the market. It checks the big players, and they clearly need it. Um, you know, Scott, I go all the way back to Carol's let him eat cake kind of comment when right. she first took over UPS. I remember. And, <laughs> um, and, you know, basically take it or leave it. This is how we're going to do things. And that they're even doing that to their largest shippers yep. tells you what kind of chance you've got as a small medium business. Excellent point. And, you know, some of what this drives as well. Uh, is more innovation and more democratization in yeah. the industry. And and while Uber Freight and Roadie are really big examples of that, but started small, uh, is creating lots of opportunity for folks, as also going back to Ken uh, pointed out. So interesting times, uh, certainly in global supply chain and, and with entrepreneurship. And that's where we're going next. Caleb, before we do, I want to give you the last word. We covered a wide range of issues, kind of the uh, painting the picture uh, for what, you know, what the SIFTA team is working through and helping others work through. Any final word on kind of what we're seeing out there? It's all about the data. I would say that. It's all about the data. Longer the days, those are long gone where you can come to the carrier and say, give me what I want or I'm pulling my business and I'm going to give it to this other carrier. That is an emotional response. Mm. That is not mm -hmm. a data-driven response. And if you go to the carriers with that kind of a response right now, Greg, to your comment about Carol, with UPS, they'll say, see you later. <laughs> Wish you the best of luck. Yep. Uh, and, and so what that means is that it requires for shippers to have a very good understanding of their own data, the story that the data is telling them, because everybody's data set tells a different story. And a lot of cases, it's not necessarily UPS and FedEx just simply taking advantage of a situation by any means. I think that they're in a really tough spot. What it is, is it's about how can I as a shipper and as a partner with UPS or a partner to FedEx, be a better fit to them, work on my data to be able to say, I need concessions in these areas, but this is what I'm going to be doing internally to be a better fit to you and have it be a data-driven uh, perspective, I think is what it's all about. So if, if you're a shipper and you're looking for uh, feeling that pressure and looking for ways to be able to alleviate that pressure, the answer is in the data. Mm. Man, help me help you. Help <laughs> me help you. I love, right. you know, Caleb. Show me the money. That, that's right. Show the money. But really knowing yourself, knowing your organization, knowing your business to the point where you can help your suppliers. Uh, I love that key point there. Really quick. Well, even if you don't help your suppliers, which certainly you will do, help yourself. Yeah. Right? At least know your business that well. Right. And help, that, that would help your employees, your team members. Uh, it hopefully takes some stress off their day-to-day, -day. you know, Mike, 
Mike Griswold has that great uh, firefighting quote. What? Yes. Great. Don't what reward is reward the arsonist. Yeah, right? don't reward the arsonist, which is kind of a theme that we're hearing from Caleb. Really quick, Dr. Rhonda is back with us, one of our favorites here. She got her break in the schedule to tune in. Hey, how about that? You make our day. Great to see you out in Arizona, uh, Dr. Rhonda. And Michael talks about a large organization he worked for back in the 2000s, had UPS, and at the time, Airborne Express as their carriers to avoid the issues of capping shipments and to avoid the labor strikes mm-hmm. that hit them in the late 90s. Good point there. A little history lesson. Okay. Yeah, that is good. And I mean, it. it is, I think maybe Caleb, small and medium businesses, they haven't had the sophistication that some of these larger companies like Michael worked for. And they kind of got caught on the back foot, right? Yep, and and to Ken's point, there will be more of them, if they're not careful, caught on the back foot because they're not aware that of the risk that is inherent in the supply chain. Yeah, so, 100%. As I've told you know, many people, my first lesson in supply chain was assume everyone will fail you and have a plan B for that. <laughs> plan C, plan D. Well, um, these days, I think I think you really do need to diversify that that much, even to the point, Caleb, you're making around these regional carriers. Those are plan C's and D's, you know, whatever. Yep. Whole alphabet. Once you know your business, right. As both of y'all are pointing out. And by the way, Caleb, I love, I'm not sure what interstate or what road is in front of you there. Yeah. Can you see that from the reflection? I love it. We're seeing like, if it wasn't happen. Yeah, it's exactly correct. I mean, it's in real time right here. If yes. it wasn't a cloudy day, you'd be able to see the Wasatch Mountain Range and, and some of the mountains that are, are there. It's a beautiful view. Next time, Caleb yeah. Nelson. Next yeah. time. Okay. So let's talk. Let's talk about Caleb Nelson for a minute. You, know, you were a co-founder of Sifted and the business that came before Sifted. And I, I know that y'all have got quite the story as y'all continue to grow and grow and do more. Let's talk about what the business does. But more importantly, maybe as a starter, what was your why, Caleb? Why, why did you create what became Sifted? Well, I have a personal why, and that is uh, a legacy. I want to know that fundamentally the, the transportation space that I operated in, specific to data analytics on the final mile in e-com and LTL, is different after my time in it than uh, before my time. And I think that is a great motivator. Everybody needs a personal why, and that's mine. Why we started Sifted from a, a tactical reason is we looked around at a lot of other companies that were providing data and it was auditing firms that provide a post-mortem report, which is, right. you know, Scott Gray, congratulations. You spent, you know, $250,000 with UPS this last quarter. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> provide nothing else. Right. So uh, there, there was, uh, along with the auditing services, but uh, shippers were, were desperate for needing more data needing to understand their data, needing to understand what their businesses were, were, were doing in ways that they can be able to improve. And we've talked a lot about external factors. We've talked about carrier capacity, labor issues. We've talked about how carriers are dealing with rates. But there is just the, the same amount of operational cost savings mm. that happen within a business's four corners and in, in, their, in their warehouse, that if they did some things differently operationally, they would make just as much of an impact from a cost-saving standpoint, an efficiency standpoint, uh, a customer expectation standpoint, than they would ever make dealing with uh, FedEx or UPS externally. So we saw that there really wasn't an option on a company that really provided strong data and could do it in simplistic software and gave it to the shipper to do it themselves. I think that's a really interesting part, which is normally 
you'd have to raise your hand and say, I'm going to go to a consultant or I'm going to hire a data team internally to be able to make this work. A consultant is, is great, but it's a, hey, you don't have the information, Mr. Customer. I do. What we noticed is shippers are being more, they are more sophisticated now than they've ever been before. Let's give them better tools so that they can do it themselves and empower them so that they can make better decisions. And that's the whole reason why we created Sifted. I love it. I love and it. And I, name, bet, I bet Greg right? loves it. Yeah. yeah, I do love it. I think that, you know, the, I mean, the name is perfect. Basically sift through all of that information and find the value and present it. That's exactly correct. Whether it's operationally or externally with your partner carrier, there is, you know, needles hidden in that haystack and it's hard to find it on your own. Uh, we see a lot of individuals use Excel. Uh, Excel is a great tool. Don't get me Wait wrong. What is this you, you speak of, Caleb? This starts yeah, with no e one in the supply e. chain has ever heard of Excel, Caleb. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's this little unknown tool that uh, very few people have heard. No, it's it's so it's used so heavily that we call it being trapped in Excel hell. Hmm. Um, and it takes, uh, in a lot of cases, shippers hours upon hours to massage the data in Excel just to get it to a spot where they can make actionable insights to it. Let me just ask a quick question. Uh, did y'all have that same in in it before I became an entrepreneur in every office I ever worked in, including in the military, there was always that one individual that was so proud of the Excel um, macros that he or she could build and they confused the heck out of everyone they were, else. They were the only ones that understood it. Yes. The data hoarder. Yes. That's what I call those people. Yeah. <laughs> So, hey, God bless them. We we all need all kinds of different types. But, man, they lost everybody else in terms of what it did and how to get to, you know, whatever uh, output. Uh, And that kind of is what I'm picturing in my my brain, Caleb. Excel is great, but we can't use it for everything, including like driving your sprinkler systems and, and, and moving, you know, freight across the world. There's better ways. There are better ways. Really quick, uh, Caleb, I want to circle back. Now that you've kind of shared your whys, both personal and professional, you've kind of shared a little bit about the the mission behind Sifted. I want to circle back for kind of a couple of examples maybe. But before we do, I want to say hello. This is Josh. Josh is an undergrad senior studying supply chain management. Appreciate that feedback and great to have you here, Josh. Steven's like us. He's watching what's driving past uh, right in front of you. I am Um, so focused, Scott. I didn't even notice that. Really. (laughs) I feel like I feel like I've seen maybe a semi drive by since you say something, and I'm thinking, did he stage that? Man, if Caleb if Caleb wasn't such a good speaker, I'd be just d- dialed in on, on what's past him there. But Asim uh, Asim is with us here today. Man, bunch of certifications there. Thanks for two, yeah. uh, dropping by. Uh, and then finally, Dr. Rhonda says helping each other is simply a win win all the way around. Excellent point there. Okay, so uh, getting back to sifted, and I can. Greg, I'm glad you mentioned it because that's the first thought. It's like making biscuits and you're, 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 you're sifting the flour and you're baking powder, whatever, whatever goes in the biscuits. I make terrible biscuits, I've been told. But Caleb, talk to us about a couple of examples. You know, Kind of bring it, bring it down to a, a couple of examples that anyone could wrap their head around. Yeah, so I think it, it, you know, to some of the points that we've talked about earlier, adding in a new carrier. If I bring in a new carrier, how much... Can I peel away from my existing contract without decimating it? Because I probably need that existing carrier. How much can I give give to that new carrier without decimating my existing contract? What weight breaks service levels should I be giving that freight over to? All of that is a giant math problem. And it's typically, like we talked about, solved in Excel. But there is some value of saying, look, Excel is great. It's not a transportation tool. 
I need a system that can go through and and literally in a sandbox environment, re-rate those packages as if it had gone with that new carrier to tell me exactly how much I would be able to save and improve on my transit time. So that what if question, getting breaking away from kind of the traditional audit, like congratulations, you spent a quarter of a million dollars last quarter. Right. And, and getting into predictive, what if I change this? That is a universal question for all of the sifted software, which is it can be adding a new carrier, adding a distribution center. Hey, I'm noticing that I'm shipping a lot to zone five, six, seven, and eight. It's costing me a lot of money and it's staying in transit really long. What if I shipped more locally, which gets into the sustainability aspect of things and reduces the fuel that I use? The sifted software does all of that, um, all the way down to box size. Hey, I need to improve and get rid of some of the dimensionalization dim fees that I'm getting. What if I shipped out on this box size for this SKU? Those kind of analytic works, which are typically very difficult to solve on your own, that's what we solve every day in the software. At our fingertips. Is that right? Yep. yep. Go. Okay. Love it. Greg, what do you, what'd you hear there? Well, I, I mean, I think that immediately, Scott, I thought of a company called Packurate, which, Caleb, you probably ought to take a look at. They, not individual SKUs, but the accumulation of an order. There's probably some opportunity for you guys to work together there. And just on that point, but I think that what's really important is I just keep coming back to the SMB, the small and medium business aspect of this, where some larger companies have built this for themselves or through a, a large technology ca carrier or whatever and customize it heavily to their business. This gives access to every business, mm -hmm. right? This is a main street kind of application and gives access to every business to have kind of level the playing field with their huge partners out there to have the same technology or the same capabilities to be able to do the things that is helping the Amazons and the Walmarts and some of these other companies be so super efficient and effective in their last mile delivery. So I'm a huge fan of Small Beats Big. I love it when companies come in and start helping smaller, you know, smaller companies rather than go after the, the whales right out of the gate because there are so many of them. You test the market they are not less complex. They may be less sophisticated, but their business is not less complex. It's basically a microcosm of a Walmart or whoever they might compete with. So yep. a solution like this is a huge lever for companies like that to understand first their profitability and then to optimize it as they, you know, as they progress. So mm. I love it. Excellent. 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 Who, um, who's really a good quick. example, Caleb, of somebody you've worked with? I mean, if you can share names. Uh, yeah. So uh, one is a one is a company called Betty's, B-E-D-D-Y-S. If you don't have little kids, you might not know who they are. If you have little kids, you probably know who they are. But what they what they created is a really cool product that goes. If you think of like a sleeping bag and uh, and sheets that go on a comforter on your bed and combine them into one. It is a comforter that has a zipper around it and you make your bed by zipping it up. It Whoa. is, it's great for little kids. And with, with four kids of my own, trust me, I know, cause I've got them. They've been, a, they've been a, a great customer and they have exploded in growth. Started to your point, Greg, as a startup on a uh, really SMB side. And we're dealing with a lot of logistic challenges on their growth. How do I be a better shipper? How do I be right. the best version of, Betty's that I possibly can be. 
We've been working with them for a while and significantly not only reduced their cost, I think that's just a given, but help them scale as an organization and make better choices along the way. A lot of companies will make those decisions out of gut instincts Mm -hmm. and not out of data that backs it up. Mm. So to be able to model it out first, get it down to a specific, if I do this, this is how much going to, it's going to save me and improve X, then I'm going to go implement it. That's the way to do it. Yep. I'm with you. And by the way, Betty's, and that's the folks, that's B-E-D-D-Y-S.com. They're offering a birthday BOGO. Oh, uh, there so you go. Check that Whose out. birthday? Uh, I don't know. It could There's. be organizations. Uh, I, I'll have to get the Malcolm and the research team on that uh, question there now, Craig. Um, really quick, T-Squared, who holds down the Fort Forest on YouTube, says, gotta love the supply chain management logistics nourishment. I'm sure a live broadcast from Worldport and Memphis World would definitely give insight into the shipping issues, mm-hmm. UPS via uh, versus FedEx. Excellent point, as always. Uh, Josh, we'll try to get back to this question. He's talking about an alternative to Excel, especially if you don't want to create those technological skill barriers. That's a great question. We'll try to get back to that. And Fatima, great to have you here today via Bangladesh. Um, okay, so speaking of resources, Caleb, I love, I think Greg and I both really dig the sifted story. And I love when organizations take the time to invest in resources that folks are going to gain help from without even having to, you know, become a customer. They may become a customer very well, but there's two resources that your team is pointing out to us. One of them is about uh, making a greener last mile. Mm-hmm. You touched on sustainability a couple of times. Talk about this ebook. Yeah, it's really interesting to me because I think in transportation, we tend to think of sustainability as a nice to have. And a lot of individuals are like, look, I'm just trying to folk, I'm just trying to get shipments out my door. And now you're talking to me about sustainability and, and doing all of this other stuff. As a consumer, we think of going green typically as either it's going to cost more. Like if I'm going to go be a consumer and be green, I'm going to go buy a Tesla and, and not pay uh, you know gas prices. But my break even on that is not for another, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Solar panels on your house is no different. You're going to break even after 15 years based on normal house usage. Transportation is one of those rare industries where sustainability and cost reduction is a one for one. Whatever you do in one, you're going to have it in the other. So if you ship more locally, that reduces your total average cost per per package because you're not shipping to higher zones. You're shipping more locally. If you're able to reduce your box sizes, you're avoiding dimensionalization charges as well as additional uh, waste. So there, there's a lot of, uh, of really important things that are happening in transportation where if you're more sustainable as an organization, you're more efficient and you're going to be more cost effective. The driver of that has really been from consumers. We pulled about 500 of our customers and, and, their, and, and their customers as well, and they mentioned that 90% of them wanted to see a sustainability option at time of checkout when you go to buy some product. About 80% said they would be willing to wait a little bit longer for delivery if it was a more sustainable way to uh, to ship it. So it's it's being driven internally. And that ebook gives five easy ways for a, a shipper to be more effective at being a more sustainable organization. Love that. Uh, and folks, we have dropped the link to that, uh, the Greener Last Mile. You can click on that and download that ebook that Caleb is talking about. And by the way, hello, Anita, tuned in from Boston, Massachusetts, one of our favorite Boston. cities, uh, the home of Kelly Barner, the one and only. Yeah. So Anita, great to see you here today. 
Okay. So Greg, everyone's looking for a greener last mile. You know, talked a lot about transportation logistics today. Let me give a quick shout out. Yesterday I spent some time with Joey, a truck, professional truck driver with Southeastern Freight yesterday. And not only has he been driving for eight years and he's a new U.S. Navy veteran, uh, but his father's been driving for 30 years and they get together and they can talk shop about, I said, folks, I said, Joey, you and your dad got to write a book. I can only imagine the stories that the two of y'all have. Uh, and by the way, Joey said, we need to create a campaign to bring back hashtag, bring back the air brake. Uh, Joey said, so folks help me. Let's, let's create uh, a new campaign here. You mean the horn? Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the air horn. Sorry. I still uh, do it. I'm like a six-year-old on the highway. I still do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. So the green with last tinted mile. windows, it's become really hard, Scott. I just want to say. <laughs> Helps if you have a sunroof. Well, I think I think if you could slow down instead of zipping around those trucks, I could just see you uh, driving left and right uh, through uh, Hilton Head, the beautiful Hilton Head, which is gorgeous, I bet, this time of year. Let's talk about not just a greener last mile, but also a more profitable last mile, Caleb, a, a second resource that you and the team are offering up here today, right? Yeah, so it, it really has, it culminates to what we've been discussing, which is carrier capacity issues, labor shortage issues, regional carriers, sustainability. It all puts pressure back on the shipper to reduce their costs in a variety of, of creative ways. And we talked about, you know, negotiating or, or working with your partner carrier, not out of an emotional response, but out of a data-driven response. Mm. What are some of those levers you can pull? That's what's found in that profitability standpoint of ways you can focus on being a more uh, profitable shipper. Love that. All right. So, Greg, we've thrown, uh, Caleb has thrown two resources out there, a greener last mile, also more profitable last mile. Um, your thoughts? Well, I think one, we as consumers probably need to stop thinking of sustainability as an additional cost. I know we do. I still do. Yep. But it's circular, literally and figuratively circular in that if you are using, for instance, something that produces carbon, less fuel, then you do inherently lower your cost. It might change your business and there might be a cost to do it. But I believe that there are and will continue to be ways to make those those types of changes more and more effective. Lots of people are not going to go to, I mean, I've looked at the Tesla shingles, right? I'm not going to pay $44,000 or whatever it is for a roof plus installation. But because the return on investment to Caleb's point is 30 years. If that starts to get down into the single digits, which it will over time, you know, because they've got every company has to expand their market reach, then we'll see more and more of that happening. So I, I think that's that's one thing that I see that's really important. And the other is that um, as companies start to be able to have the visibility, we've talked to companies, as I said, Caleb, that do what you, exactly what you described. Here's what you spent. But now if they can take that, here's what you spent, here's why you spent it, and here's how you could spend less, because we know there are a lot of traps, maybe not intentional, but whatever, there are a lot of traps in terms of, like you talked about dim weight, whatever, in surcharges, even for last mile, you don't find out that it cost you $400 to ship that $400 item at $420, you know, after you receive $420 until after the shipment is complete. Yeah. So if, if you can give them insight and predictive ability in that, then they can know, as you've described, when they ought to use a separate carrier to get some of those, those items delivered. And to me, that is found lost money. 
Love it. Yeah. Man. It's, it's being the best shipper, the best version uh, of yourself that you can be. And yeah. that's what we're all about. It's all about maximization and profitability and efficiency. Love it. Okay, man, I felt like I've learned so much here today beyond the Sifted story and beyond Caleb's personal uh, personal why and professional why and all the cool things they're doing. We've learned about Betty's. That could be game-changing for many folks. We've learned that Tesla makes shingles. This is new to me. To oh. Check this out, Greg. <laughs> oh, really? I've been, I've been so caught up in what Elon Musk is doing with SpaceX, I guess. But folks, uh, to folks that are tuned in again, we've got the links to both of these free resources, uh, the Greener Last Mile and the more profitable uh, last mile in the comments. Y'all check those out. Thank you, Salam. Very accurate assessment. I take what uh, James Webb of Supply Chain, Caleb Nelson sells, uh, says, I take it right to the bank, Greg. I don't know about you, uh, but uh, well, Salam agrees. What they're doing, you can literally take it to the bank or probably <laughs> just have it shipped to the bank for you. That's right. <laughs> okay. So Caleb, uh, as we start to wrap here and we're going to let you go, I'm sure you got a Plenty of stuff to get to uh, here on this Thursday afternoon. But how can folks connect with you and how can they connect with Sifted and learn a lot more? Sifted.com. I think that's a really easy one. Uh, S-I-F-T-E-D.com. And uh, I'm, I'm sure there'll be links down below, but they can also uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm a, a big user on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I think it's a great platform for us as supply chain experts mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, to communicate with each other. Supply chain is one of those unique things that the industry is massive, but the people that work in it, relatively small. Mm. And uh, I, I'm really grateful for uh, for LinkedIn and the and the platform that it provides for us to be able to communicate with each other. I'm always on there. Add me, and uh, you'll see what's uh, latest and greatest have happened, and it's sifted. I love it. And also yeah. to kind of further your point, we've got such a, we've we've got a duty to inform. Uh, the consumers, uh, uh, there's a lot of misconceptions around global supply chain and, you know, the media has covered a lot more in the last couple of years, but we got to get the right story out there and, and how it really works. So Caleb, I appreciate your work there and great to have you here today. Congrats on all of Sifted's uh, growth and success. And we look to have you back, have you back again really soon. Scott, Greg, it's been awesome to be on. Thank, Thank you. All right. You Thanks bet. We've been it. talking with Caleb Nelson, chief growth officer with Sifted. Have a great rest of your day. Greg, man, I knew it was going to be good. You know, we, we've we've been fortunate to have a couple pre-show conversations with yeah. Caleb uh, and his team. Big thanks to Grayson and, and others. Love the DNA in their culture. I love how they're um, well, how they're enabling other uh, organizations and leaders to not to not only run a tighter ship, but to get to know themselves and their business so much better. And to kind of, it's like the art of the possible, but via tech. You know, it's like quantifying what that art of the possible is, right? Yeah, I think, look, I think the lesson here is if you are a, an SMB shipper, you got to get your shipping together and <laughs> internally to be that, what what Caleb was describing, that best version of your shipper self, right? I mean, you have to understand your own business before you can project that out to your trading partners and be that best trading partner to your uh, fellow trading partners. So, and this enables you to do it in such a simple fashion to one of the points that I, um, I think someone raised around Excel or not um, wanting to uh, leap the technological hurdles, right, of upskilling. Technology isn't that way. And so much small business technology is built to 
lay out those hurdles so you don't have a big lift to get to the next level of technology. In fact, it takes a lot of the confusion that you and Caleb described with that data hoarder who puts out a <laughs> 7,000 tab macro you know, macro or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And it puts that all in the background and just shows you the valuable data that you need to make your judgments from and your decisions from. So I think the perception of what technology is today, particularly technology focused on SMBs, needs to shift in a lot of places because it is built to produce the result. I call it appifying the supply chain, right? As robust as any enterprise technology, as simple as an app. And that's how you get small business over that hurdle. Okay. I love it. I love it. Uh, and back to those master Excel users. If, if uh, my dear friend Troy Boozer is tuned in here today. Oh yeah, first, that's right. <laughs> I know the first thought that come to his mind, we caught it getting factorized, but uh, love you, Troy Boozer. Uh, Barbara says, thank you all. Finishing up my last class for my uh, probably master's science in, in supply chain logistics in a week. And this is a great way to learn new things. Barbara, hey, Thanks for stopping by and yeah. make sure you contribute everything you know and your experiences and your journey. Love to have you here. Jenny Passloff, data hoarder, such a thing of the past. Data transparency and democratized data is key. Jenny, Amen I agree that. with you. Yeah. You know, people, Greg, um, we'll wrap in just a minute. I, I've been around folks, you probably have too, uh, that have weaponized data. Right. Oh, yeah. Use it to hit others over the head with and kind of get their way, so to speak. And it's not a good thing for culture. It's not a good thing for the business. Um, it's important to know your data, but man, use it, help others with it, help others understand it so we can, as a team, make better uh, decisions. Well, I was just going to say, you made me think of we had this report and we've, I've, you know, worked with so many companies that have transformed their supply chains that you see it over and over again. This report that, that describes how you hurt the company most recently. Right. Yeah. And instead, what you know, what they're doing with Sifted and so many of these SMB focused technologies are doing is they're saying this is how you can help the company today, right now. Yep. I love it. I love it. Uh, and I love Caleb's story. Man, dripping with passion, you know? Yeah. I love the personal why I love the personal why. Yep, that's right. All right. A couple of quick comments. We're out of here. Stephen Bush is talking about Marty Groover, author of Speed of Advance. Uh, it's gonna be their keynote speaker for Heidelberg, US and Canada. Uh, customer summit in May. So check that out. He, he offered up the link. Thank you for sharing, Stephen. And I'm coming to you, Stephen, for the goods on Greg's championship tennis game. Kim Winner, the legendary Kim Winner. Uh, Kim Winner is with us here today from Dubai. Great to see you, Kim. Keep the good yeah. stuff coming. I love your Ukraine coverage. And of course, we're big fans of your vodcast as well. Um, yeah, okay. He, keep, he keeps us dialed in to what's going in the Middle East and, and Southeast Asia as well. That's right. right? So that's that fantastic. Okay, folks, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation as much as Greg and I have. Be sure to check out sifted.com. Check out those free resources. They're there for you to use and apply and, and uh, improve your journey. Be sure to connect with Caleb Nelson, really the whole Sifted team. Uh, Greg, always a pleasure. One last thought. Likewise. You know, we talked, I don't want to throw stones, but it's interesting to see generalized media kind of be late to the supply chain story. I saw a headline, uh, a big established media was was breaking a late breaking story that Amazon was UPS's biggest customer and competitor. And it was headline news. And it was like, you know, kind of illustrated the point that we've got a um there's lots Welcome of Welcome uh, to the party. Yeah. Right. But hey, such is life. Folks, hopefully yeah. you enjoyed uh, our time here today. Have a wonderful weekend. Have a wonderful close to your week. Most importantly, hey, be like 
James Webb of Supply Chain, or Caleb Nelson. Do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.